All right. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Today is a big day. Why my wonderful guest is Ola Kowalska. Ola is a teacher ten, turned teacher trainer turned business coach. If you want no bullshit approach, Ola is your person to go to. So thank you so much. Thank you for being my guest. And I'm more than happy that we could talk about neurodivergence, burnout, and how to be a neurodivergent teacher. Thank you so much, Anya, for having me. I really love that. This is, and it, it's actually quite incredible because the way we met is when you were only just starting, we worked together and I've been watching you for the last two years on your wonderful journey as a business owner, as a trainer. And it's it's just incredible that now I get to be a guest on your podcast. I'm really honored. Thank you. Well, you know, it has been an amazing journey. And well, you know, what can I say? I wouldn't have done it without you. The no. rocket has really been like, has, has really been like, you know, a fuel added to my <laughs> or whatever. So I wanted to talk to you about neurodivergent, neurodivergent teachers because you, you are a neurodivergent business coach and teacher trainer and teacher and so much more than that. And I know that there are certain um, roles and caveats people fall into. And I think like an honest advice mm -hmm. from a person who has seen it all would really help them. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we're talking about this. I've never really, like, obviously people ask me about this. I'm very open about my own neurodivergence. And what's happened in my business is that I did not plan for it. When I started my coaching business in 2021, I was in the middle of being diagnosed for ADHD. Um, I always knew I was different, but I didn't know what it was. Then I believe that we are lucky now to live in times when access to that information and to even like self-diagnosis tools is so easily available because even if somebody doesn't have it, but identifies with some traits of ADHD or autism or any other, um, I'm going to call it a disorder, but people know what I mean. It's a mental shortcut. Uh, it's not really a disorder. It's a condition, let's say, of your brain. Um, and so I was being diagnosed then. And then I started noticing that I attract people who are very similar to me. So I think that I particularly appeal with my business advice to very special people. And I actually wear it as a badge of honor. And it kind of makes me feel less like an imposter because, yeah, if I'm neurodivergent and I give you advice on business or productivity or whatever it is, I feel like, hey, I'm not doing it out of, you know, thin air. I'm doing it because I've been there. I've tested certain things. And I've also been observing teachers in our um, field, let's say, um, go through, through certain things, struggle with certain things. So, yeah, that's 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 been kind of like my reflection around it. So I'm noticing that um, a lot of people... And I don't know how big the population of neurodivergent people people is. I don't I don't think anybody really knows nowadays. I think it used to be, I don't know, Anya, if you know any numbers. Like you know, the numbers are changing because the diagnosis like criteria are exactly. changing right now. I'm sorry, so it's like 
for example, with ADHD, DSM used to say, oh, you need to have at least six symptoms that like manifested within six months. Then ICD-11 said, no, you need one symptom that really is persistent and it has an effect on your mm -hmm. life. And I think it's more truthful because like life changes, we change. Yeah. You experience different, let's say, challenges in yeah. your yeah. Like within your lifetime. So sometimes you'll have one symptom, sometimes like five of them will manifest all of a sudden. So I would say that the most important thing is to be aware that you are a neurodivergent person. And I think like getting business advice from a person like you is so important because people will not fall into the trap of being the so-called overproductive. And mm. I'm talking about it because I've listened to your life today and I loved it because actually you were talking about the hamster wheel. And even before you yeah. had a challenge, right? Like mm. the hamster wheel was like um yeah. the part of the challenge. And I really Yeah, it's that. always naturally been like part of what I want people to to kind of know and and the path I really see people as an effective one it's like yes neurodivergent people like as I said I don't know exactly what the numbers are and it's probably hard to tell but to be honest when we think about it if we accept the reality that even if we don't have a strict diagnosis there is such a thing as spectrum and for a spectrum you don't need a label and I feel that there are so many people in my environment who are probably on some sort of a spectrum. We have similar like view on life, similar traits, similar things. And while they may not be diagnosed as ADHD, very often what works for me would work for them as well. So I like to think of it as just advice for people who are special. And that's it. Um, so yes, it all started with me noticing that what usually bothers a lot of people that I work with, teachers mainly, <laughs> um, is burning out and getting into those burnout cycles. So it, at first, I didn't make that mental connection between, does it happen because of all the like limiting beliefs and all the ways in which educators generally like do the work, the, the beliefs that the society has and all that jazz. Or later on, it became a kind of a factor or maybe everybody's a little bit special in my world and they are just not doing things according to their brains. Maybe they are just trying to follow mainstream advice that is absolutely nonsense or very often harmful. Yeah. For example, my favorite, obviously being sarcastic, is get up at five o'clock. I know Anya is an early bird. I love it about her, but she understands her, her, you know, energy level cycles. I would never, ever advise someone to get up at five o'clock and try to lie to them that this is going to make them successful. And if they don't do it, also make them feel like they're bad people. Like to me, it's just such an empty piece of advice because honestly, I consider myself very successful I have never, ever gotten up at five, six, like literally most days it's eight. Everybody in my family wakes up quite late, last minute before school runs. <laughs> and it's absolutely fine. I still have time and the energy to do whatever I need to do with my life. So it's just one example. But like what I'm trying to say is that following mainstream advice can be very tricky. I wonder if you've um, ever come across stuff like that. Absolutely. And I think like that the 
first of all, I always say work like work in your timeline, work whatever works for you. Like 8 p.m. for me, or even 6 p.m., I'm kind of like mellow down. Mm. I can watch Netflix or do like nothing, but I yeah. will not be productive. I will not be able to teach. I will not be able to write anything because that's not my time of a day. However, yeah. my husband, on the other hand, he's an, he's an owl. He can like 2 a.m., he's like, it's the peak of his day. At 2 a.m., yeah. like that, literally. Like I'm not, I'm not like connecting. I'm not. I won't be able even to talk to someone or probably just mumble something like let, let me be or leave me alone. I think it's important because teachers are given advice like you have to work hard. Get up at 5 a.m. Drink that uh, butter coffee or bulletproof coffee. I don't know. You know, all that like jazz, that stupid advice. And it really leads to burnout because people are burning out easily because they are promised things that, will, that wouldn't work for anyone. It might work for someone yeah. and that's fantastic but it won't work for everyone. And my question exactly. is how to avoid that burnout as a neurodivergent teacher, because I know that neurodivergent people, they have the tendency, like the all or nothing approach. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. So I would say that the first thing is awareness. Even if you don't have a label, even if you don't really fully think that, oh, maybe I am neurodivergent, maybe I'm not, but you tend to fall into cycles of burnout because burnout is not what we... Also, that's that's important to mention because burnout is not what we kind of associate it with. I think that we have this very, very like um, like exaggerated idea of burnout as it's like after 20 years as a teacher, she completely lost her voice, couldn't do anything. And like it was very dramatic. No, I actually went into about three or four cycles of burnout last year. So there are certain symptoms that suggest that you are going through one. Like for example, it, it's harder than usual to concentrate. You're sleeping worse. You are not able to connect the dots as well as you did. You are uh, more, even more thirsty, more hungry, or like things change in your regular patterns so this could all be burnout and obviously tiredness and fatigue that's that's kind of obvious so I would say that the awareness that it can happen to you is crucial it's absolutely crucial so we are lucky and unlucky enough <laughs> in this job that we kind of don't realize that there are different ways to being successful making money than only selling our time for money. Mm -hmm. So I think it all starts with this a bit unfortunate belief that the only way to make money, and very often it's related to survival, which is sad. Obviously, not no teachers are not to blame for it. But if teachers believe that the only way for them to make a better living is to work more hours, there is something seriously wrong with that. It's because if you're already working, like more than five hours, contact hours a day teaching, you are on a path to burnout. To me, more than five hours of teaching, active teaching a day is like literally, I don't want to say suicide, but I would want to say suicide. It's a path to really, really uh, mental overload because teaching in is extremely demanding. So if anybody just hears this and thinks it's, 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 it's a bit extreme, great. I want it to be extreme because I want people to, to get permission 
to say, I'm actually fucking exhausted exactly. after five hours. I don't think anybody should be teaching more than five hours a day. They should probably work, be working even less, but let's start there. So yeah. I would say that leveraging your time so that, and there are different ways you can do that, but even recognizing that working more than that kind of number is not healthy. Oh, because it's not the same job as an office job. In an office job, I think you can get away with sitting in front of a computer for eight hours. Although also not a fan. I was massively burnt out in an office job. But I think it, you can get away because, you know, you faff about. Yeah. Just, you go to chat to a colleague, whatever. In teaching, you're always on. Yeah. So it's and, exhausting. And I think it's important to tell that like, teaching is a very demanding job because you are like, you are like a surgeon concentrated on your student. Yeah. You can't walk away and say, okay, you know, I have to grab my coffee, be back in 15 minutes because I need a break. You, you yeah. can't cut any slack. And how to listen to yourself, how to tune in with yourself to see or to realize that, well, you know, I might be heading into a burnout and I think I should do something. Like, let's say, what's the, like the bell that should ring? Like that's a, that's a really, really good question. So I started, so I couldn't believe that I could be prone to to going into burnout say, cycles. It was really, really um, hard for me to accept because I'm naturally an overachiever and I really like to work, workaholism, all that stuff. But then at some point I realized that I completely lost connection with my body. So this might sound silly, but I think it's actually quite common with ADHD people. I have stopped sensing signals from my body. So I would not feel that I need to pee or I would not feel when I need to drink or eat. And then I would binge eat, binge drink, not alcohol, but like, you know, as if I had spent a month on a desert. I would pee like a crazy person. My pee would be super yellow, which we know is not healthy. Okay. Um, and this this might be, again, extreme, but last year, 2023, in a period of too much work, I had kidney stones. And the doctor that I went to said that they're actually quite common among neurodivergent people because we bloody don't drink. So very often, normally in normal people, in in typical neuro uh, neurotypical people, those same stones might have passed with us. We forget to drink because we work too much. There is for neurodivergent people, there is always something to prove. Yeah, we always are trying to prove that we are normal, and where when we are proving, we're working too much. So when we're working too much, we don't drink, we don't pee, we don't eat, and it all leads to like ridiculous situations. So this was ve a very painful lesson for me. Not to say I'm perfect with my drinking now, but at least I'm like, I need, I, I basically work for three days a week now. And they are not also like, oh, full on days because I can't. To be honest, my personal rhythm is a little bit like full on and then break, full on and then break, because that's how I kind of work. But it's not full on like it used to be. It's not full on without a break, without toilet, without food and drink. <laughs> It's more conscious now. So I would say if you lose that connection with your body, I think that's that's one of the first signs. 
Does anything else come to your mind when? Yeah, like I think like the, the connection with the body, it's so important because literally like I've talked to teachers who said like, you know, I think like I have to work for eight hours. I said, do you get a break and they stay in five minutes? And I said, what can you do in five minutes? Sometimes you won't be able to get to the toilet and be back. Like it's impossible. And uh, like, I know that you have been talking a lot about like, talking to your audience, like having the audience and not teaching everyone from age two to till age yeah. 82 and medical, general business, children, exams, you know, and all that jazz. And sometimes teachers have that, teachers have that analysis paralysis because they think, but I have to choose someone. What do I do? And you know that the anxiety peaks in and they are like really stressed out. And what, what advice would you give to a teacher, like how to overcome that analysis paralysis? Yeah, so that's another problem because if we are in a state where we can't decide or we're trying to do everything because we don't know how to focus, basically, this could be due to neurodivergence, but I think it also is quite common with uh, neurotypical people. Um is that the longer you wait with a decision or the longer you get spread thin on in many fields. So for example, working with tons of different people like kids, business people, whatever, like also that you just mentioned, um, you contribute to that burnout or the likelihood of being burnt out. So my advice, and this is always this has always been business advice because it just helps with marketing. It helps with creating better programs like you're a great example Anya of how focusing on one area you're now the queen of neurodivergence ADHD dyslexia like if people mention your name in a room they know what to associate it with and this allows you to be known to sell things more expensively but also to avoid all that you know overwhelm of things so so it's not only business advice it's also self-care advice if you focus there are less things to make you tired and that's it so I would say yes as much as possible focus on helping a, a very specific target audience I teach it in all my programs how to do it how to approach it a lot of people agonize over it but to be honest this the process is not even that hard it's just about seeing what you're good at, seeing what you're passionate about and what people are willing to pay for, combining the three, finding some sort of a golden middle. If after a couple of months you decide, oh, this is not actually sticking, you choose something else because it's not to say that you will find the right thing at the first try. That's very, that's kind of wishful thinking. I think it actually, the search takes longer, but you cannot find an idea for a business or a target audience or an offer by thinking about it. You literally cannot. You can only do it by, like, empirically. You have to test it. So that would be my advice here. Oh, absolutely. And I, like, if you were to give an advice to, like, let's say three pieces of advice. I know it's, it's my side calling, but let's say three pieces of, of advice to, a, let's say, neurodivergent teacher who's just starting out. So, they're, like, they're feeling the ground, you know, but let's say if I were like to start like, from the scratch again, what would I do? What would I avoid and what would I do? That's a very interesting situation, uh, question, because I actually been been approached today by uh, a lovely client who is severely 
uh, neurodivergent, they've got a few diagnoses. And it's been interesting because they've been mentioning a lot of things that are not allowing them to make progress. And even though they um, worked with me, there is always something that comes up. And I would say that that's a piece of advice in itself. Have accountability. So yes, everything is available online. There, like you can find advice on how to build a business, how to be a better teacher for free, but you're not going to take action on it. You, I'm telling you, from my experience, from everybody that I know, if it's free, you're not going to take action on it. So paying someone for accountability is not just paying for what they know. That's why I never advise my clients to sell what they know. It's not about that. They sell themselves as people's cheerleaders, supporters, coaches, like a teacher actually has tons of hats and roles. And that's great. That should be used and highlighted. And that is advice for, for you as well. Invest in accountability. I can never reach like as good results as I do when I have someone to report back to. So it's not about asking for permission. Don't get me wrong. It's not about having someone and always ask, am I doing the right thing? Is it the right niche? I know people at the beginning of their journey, they, they do tend to think that's the way. But very often, I try to train my people, my clients to be independent. But they can always check in with me and say and see, that's what I've done. And I can say, bravo, keep going. But even the fact that they've got someone to come and say, I've done this and that and haven't done this. And I can say, well done. And they keep doing it. They keep being in motion. So that's number one. Number two, uh, the thing that always helps me, and I'm, I, I struggle with it every day, but I literally make myself do it, is focus on one thing at once. Just one thing at once. Literally. Don't try to, at the same time, um, you know, build a group program and sell one-to-ones and whatever, grow your Instagram, choose one area. It's also, if you're at the beginning or if you're only just starting to build your business, it's hard to decide what that is. So I, again, that accountability, that guidance and support really helps. But if you know how to identify, just focus on that one thing. When you finish, move on to the next one. So create containers for yourself, maybe by using the Pomodoro technique, maybe just like Whatever, sit with someone on a call, get, get a, um, a, a friend of yours, jump on a call for an hour, sit together and do some work. Just create that container so you can, um, so you can make sure that you're actually progressing. And my final piece of advice would be to feel rather than think. With neurodivergent people, we are deeply emotional people and I think we've got a leverage I think we've got a strength that nobody ever talks about but is it's it's literally gold if somebody packaged it as a product it would be gold um it's the ability to feel if something is right or wrong with our hearts rather than with our heads and I don't think enough people tap into that I personally also struggle with that but I think the more we, for example, so for example, you see a, an article giving you advice on how to do something in your business. And it says, if you do this, you're going to make 
I don't know, six figures, or you see the my favorite pet peeve advice, charge your worth. You see this, and then you start thinking, you might feel a little tingle in your heart that, what do you mean charge my worth? I'm priceless. Why would I put a price tag on myself? We feel it, but then our head, oh yeah, but they are a business coach, so they must be right. Question everything with your heart. So that's why I always say to my clients, don't believe a word that I say. If something in you tells you that I'm bullshitting you, tell me or just ignore me, whatever. I'm not, I'm not that person who would tell you, listen to me because I'm me and I'm better than you. No, L listen to your intuition um, because that's what um, neurotypical people don't have. And it's a massive asset and it's a great business skill. Oh, yeah, I think like intuition trumps or like feeling like listening to your gut and knowing where to go, when to back up, when to like wait a little bit. I think it's absolutely crucial. Thank you so much. But before we wrap up, I know that you have a special announcement and I have to talk about it because I took part in your first challenge. In 2020, <laughs> when was it? Oh, my goodness. 2020, I think. Yeah. 2022. Wow. 2022 Not yeah 20. and that was amazing and it has been such a game changer and i know that there is something cooking up and i want you to spill the beans because i want the Yay. world to know about it oh amazing thanks for the opportunity so yes um i kind of already said i am a business coach for not only neurodivergent but <laughs> a lot of them come to me and the advice seems to work um teachers of language and I offer support in many different areas. My favorite way of supporting people is by helping them build sustainable and enjoyable businesses that bring the money so that their business can support the life that they want to live, where they feel joyful, where they like actually spend the time. Like I recently realized so many of my clients are actually expats. Anya lives in Canada. I live in the UK. So many of my people are American living in Italy, like literally, but they don't enjoy those places because they are so overworked. So my approach um, is different. It's helping you build a business that supports your life rather than you making money for the sake of making money. And part one of that is going to be happening very soon on the 19th of February in my free challenge called Language Course Worth Gold. So over four days, I'm going to be teaching how to build an effective and profitable language course. But if you're like Anya, you could be building a program for teachers because that's what she went off to do. <laughs> so it's not just about language courses. It could be anything in the language area um, that you can not only use to help your students, but also that will be profitable, that will be sellable. So I'm super passionate about it. The whole challenge is completely free. You can uh, join it by going to my website, olakowalska.com slash language gold. Uh, and it will be a pretext to the opening of my program, the wonderful rocket accelerator that Anya also took part in. Uh, and these are these are very keen memories because it was the first edition. I so yeah, that's, that's what's happening. So I, I wholeheartedly encourage you to take part because not only you, you, there will be a wealth of information expertise, you will meet other fellow teachers. And I think it's very important 
for the teachers yeah. to have other teachers to talk to because we yeah. can get very lonely, especially if we are working online. We do not have, you know, you're not going to talk to your partner because if they're not, yeah. if he or she is not a teacher, there's no common ground because you have different lived experiences and it's like a different field, etc., etc. And I know that if you take part in Ola's program and you do your job, because I always say you have to do your job. I do like yeah. keep repeating it when I work with teachers. I can I say I can give you everything uh, like gold platter, but if you're not accountable, if you not, don't do your job, then I'm sorry. It's yeah. like with teaching. Your student yeah. has to do their job. You have to do your job. Then Ola, I always say that yeah. my programs will not change your life. You will by yeah. following some steps. That's 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 the magic of it. You yeah, are the magic so ingredient. The accountability. And I totally agree with you. When you said when you something is for free, you don't do that. I've had like tons of free programs and I never finished yeah. them. I, I didn't feel like, like accountable. And I thought, like, yeah, later on, I don't have the time. I'm busy. And when I paid, I really like when I dished out, I felt like I'm accountable. Right now, I'm in charge. I spend those money. I have yeah. to make it work. And that was like the biggest instigator ever. That is really, really true. That I noticed that in with everybody. And it's not about like um just saying so just lifting your prices so that people pay and get no, it also needs to be something that actually helps them reach those goals, which is the approach that I teach. So I kind of embody it in my own business, but also I totally teach that as an approach to building your own um language business and i'm very proud of that thank you so much for the opportunity to share that with the world it was my genuine pleasure thank you so much you will find all our social media podcasts and everything in the show notes so please give her a follow and listen to her podcast because her podcast is a pot of gold i absolutely <laughs> love it and i think more teachers should listen to it so that they become and be and get richer teachers so Thank you so much, Ola, and thank you so much for talking to me and being my guest. Thank you so much, Anya, for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope I didn't bore everybody too much, but uh, again, genuinely really appreciate your invitation and hope to hear from you guys soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, and have a wonderful day. Get science and get richer. You all deserve it. Oh, yes. <laughs>